Your next 10 million is a community dedicated to folks who have achieved wealth and are looking to achieve greatness. Our interviews and discussions focus on growing your family's wealth and cash flow with investors across asset classes, but with a particular focus on housing and real estate. But there's more to growing your wealth than just capital allocation. So we try to bring you a variety of conversations and experts. Please subscribe to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. Hey guys, we had just an incredible guest for our first podcast, Jeremiah Boucher. He is crushing it in his business and he's giving us a lot of the details and insights to anything from uh, hiring to scaling his business to how he's looking at his business in a whole new way with technology. It's an absolute listen. What do you think, Cody? Yeah, it was awesome. I loved the bits about how he's delivering equity to his employees to keep incentives aligned. I loved, you know, some of the lessons that he talks about, about having a long view on the business and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, really how it's about the journey and not necessarily an end goal. He was just uh, really wise for his age. And I loved his story. He's building a, a massive business. And it's just really exciting to see. Yeah. And, you know, lastly, his energy is super infectious. You know, I feel very inspired. So absolutely. Give it a listen. You're going to love it. All right. This is our first episode, Cody. And we have an amazing guest with us, Jeremiah Boucher, who I am super stoked to have. You're just a pure badass. I know we've connected uh, a little bit and I know a little bit about your story. And, you know, Cody and I were super stoked to get on here to share your story, drop some wisdom. You're full of energy. You're an amazing dude. I just can't wait to get into it. So I don't know if you want, you want to just start introducing yourself and a little bit of your backstory because it's from what I know of it, it's incredible. I am honored. I am honored <laughs> to be the first guest. First time I've ever been a first yep. guest. So uh, yeah, <laughs> Pasha, we, you know, we met through real estate investing, uh, some another mutual uh, group. And my story is I, I didn't come from money. My parents, uh, my dad is a small construction paving company. My mom was uh, a biologist. Uh, so I really bootstrapped my way into the real estate investing business. I, you know, similar to your story, I, I was in Vegas and I made a lot of money flipping houses and being a realtor. And then it all crashed on me and I had to start all over from zero. And in 2009, it was a long yep. climb, you know, so it's, uh, I feel that's why I feel like we're kindred spirits in that way and yep. figuring out just any hustle I could. Um, I got into manufactured housing. That was my niche. So mobile home parks were at the time in 29 and 10 were, were not very attractive to the investment community. So I found a niche there and I helped uh, a larger fund called MHP funds, which at the time was very small, uh, grow to be one of the biggest funds in the country. And I was smiling and dialing, man. I just, just had raw energy, really didn't know what I was doing and helped them source about a hundred deals over 10 years. Uh, took every fee I had, never bought a fancy car, never never bought a house and pumped it right back into my business, into assets. And then I broke off from them in 2016. Uh, 2018 or 2019, I started to feel the mobile home space was a little challenging for me to scale. So then at that point, I uh, started to get into self-storage. I, I really like that asset class and we can get into why. But uh, once again, it was like creative deals, working with mom and pops, you know, trying to 
raise money uh, with friends and family and through conferences, and then finally had a good exit in 2019. And mm-hmm. that really allowed me to validate, oh my God, I've been working on this for you know 17 years. I actually had some success, a real success, uh, and then joined some uh, higher net wealth uh, marketing or individual like uh, investing groups, and then opened up my network. And then that's when the scale really exploded, where I was able to open uh, you know three more funds, uh, raise about 100 million in capital, uh, and now I have a, a team of about 65 different people, and we property manage, we can, we do development, and we have a you know obviously a private equity firm that raises money and manages money. Damn, that sounds amazing, you know, and that's incredible. And I, I I'm so happy you share this, and I think a lot of people don't realize that there's there's incredible times, and if if I may share, where you had to sleep in your own car, and you had a while you were building and growing and scaling, like. I think one thing that people get fascinated by is where somebody's at, but they don't realize all the 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 hardships and the the times that it took that had to get you here. Did you want to maybe talk a little bit about that time? I, I always had a couch, so I mean, like I slept in the <laughs> car, but that was that was because I couldn't make it home to drive. But uh, you know, right. I I uh, I always had a buddy's couch, but yeah, no, I was definitely homeless for a while, and uh, uh, but for me. You know, those times I wrote a book and we talked a little about it. It's called Finding Your Edge, How to Win at the Game of Commercial Real Estate. It's on Amazon. And, and But I really wrote it. I didn't have anyone else write it with me. And it was a good process where I took this, you know, during COVID, I was able to think back of all these pivotal events in my life. And then I started to define, okay, what made me as a man? What, what defined my character as a person? And I'm really grateful that my parents just said, hey, you know, they didn't have the financial resources to take care of me anyway, but they just said, you know, you go out there and you got to make it happen and you got to make your choices and, and that's going to define your life. And and I was a, a rebel by, you know, my, my nature <laughs> and I never wanted to go back anyway, you know, but I just felt to myself that, you know, I burned the boats and I got to make my way in the world. And, and for me, like struggling and not having a safety net of a paycheck and not going back to a safe job and you know, and, and just really taking every dime and being creative on how I'm going to make it week to week. I mean, it, it's just such a, a valuable lesson that <laughs> I think every entrepreneur has some way of sharing it. And it might only yeah. be relative to their particular circumstance, but everyone has these circ- like some type of like some very successful person has a pivotal event where it was like right on the edge of making it or not making it. And then you, you, you persevere through it. And then it's like, wow, you've transformed, you know, you got a new superpower. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Kind of reminds you a little bit of Cody's story, having to pivot from his business, from tech into real estate as well. I mean, this is why I'm so happy to have you on here and, and share a little bit about that background. And we're going to get into all of these major pivots and kind of your mindset on things. And will you describe a little bit about the current status of your business now? What are you up to and what you're doing so the audience can know? Yeah. yeah. Are you like all mobile home parks now or all self-storage or kind of like what asset class are you guys in? And it sounds like you guys are building, you're manufacturing and you're, uh, and you're, you're, you're developing. Yeah. So at the macro, you know, looking at it across the, the strategy, you know, I've been doing it 20 years and where I'm at right now in my career, you know, I read, I read a good book. It's called Good Strategy, Bad Strategy. And it's, it's a, one that references Fortune 500 companies' strategies in, in terms of developing how the CEO wants to determine what they're going to do with their, their company and their resources. 
So over the last few years, you know, being the CEO or owner, I definitely had to shift my thinking from being a, you know, a pure salesman to being a, you know, uh, an operator, uh, a motivator, a manager, you know, doing and an investor. But I had to become a real CEO, and, and really, a CEO's job is to the, the the sole focus of their mind should be number one is allocate resources, and the two resources you have are your capital and your talent and your labor, right? And those totally. are the strings that we pull. So I know you guys, is this show is based on you know scaling and growing businesses. So mm-hmm. for me, I adapted. So why, you know, Cody, I, I started in manufactured housing is because just like my book, I had an edge. Nobody was there. It was a good asset class. It was land lease communities where it was low CapEx. And I could get in at a good basis where I could get creative financing because banks weren't loving it. And then I transitioned from there because I, I knew, okay, storage, you know, tertiary suburban markets are under undersupplied. There's not a lot of competition. There's good yields out there. You, and, and when I can go out there and operationally drive the needle and improve the profit. And then, you know, pivoting into some industrial where, you know, right now industrial is the flavor of the, the market, you know, and, and figuring and dipping my toe in that. So where I am, though, and, you know, this is November for the audience, November of 2022, um, interest rates, as we all know, have, have gone up, you know, multiple times. They're, you know, 300 plus basis points than they were last year, double for the most part. So where for me, I am, you know, finally hit a, a point where, you know, I, I was on the road the last 12 to 24 months fundraising. That was my, you know, linchpin or that that choke point in my business where I needed to raise more capital. Uh, now the capital, like I have the capital, too much capital. Now it's, you know, kind of like you have sometimes, Pasha, where the yeah. deal flow is a challenge. But for me, I have enough assets and projects where I got to dig back into the operations. And and that is the C, that's the kernel. That is the core strategy. And I've spent a lot of time on this, Cody, on like, what's the difference that makes the difference in my company? And in storage, I have to tell you guys, it's remote management. That is, mm-hmm. if you can solve that problem where you don't have to have the person sitting down managing the property and, and getting paid 70000 a year, you know, you can drive profit margins and you can provide great customer service where, you know, other, other competitors aren't doing that. And the market is finally there with COVID that came here. And now with, with the, the, va- the validation of the big companies wanting to do it, like we're trying to get first to market to master this. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, I always say like that's, you, you need three things in like real estate. And one is, you know, great deal flow. The second's, you know, you need kind of three stools to your leg, deal flow, capital, and uh, and, and great operations. And you actually said something before the show that I thought was awesome um, that you said like, you know, real estate's the asset class, but really I'm building a business. And I think that mm-hmm. so many people miss that, especially in real estate. They think like, okay, it's this passive, uh, you know, it's just this passive asset. But I mean, especially in self-storage, right? I mean, more so than I think other asset classes. But I, I think, other asset classes are are like self storage, but especially in self storage, you know, maybe you could dig into a little bit like that operational edge uh, that you guys have, um, you know, apart, and and, yeah. and what does that kind of involve? You know, what are you building out in your business? Um, because it's more than just a it's more than just a property manager, I think, right? Yeah, hundred percent. So, and nothing in life that has value is passive. I've never had a good relationship where I was passive. I had to actively be involved every every day, or they were checking out on me, and I passively Fair was enough. alone. Yeah. So, so uh, real estate is definitely a business, and especially when you have multiple tenants at a, at a site. So, if it's manufactured housing, apartments, uh, you know, storage, industrial, multi-tenant, it, you're you're operating a business. You have a customer. You have to provide superior value. So, where I'm at right now is, you know, it, it's been a 
it's been a challenge where I've been allocating most of my resources to providing exceptional customer service through this call center platform. And now we're, we're hiring remote managed uh, employees or, or remote employees from the Philippines. And we're trying to, you know, really make sure we deliver, you know, the promise that they're helpful, that they can process payments, that they can, you know, explain where, if they have a question, the tenant there on our site. So it's been, you know, more of a, it's almost, it's building a call center, which, you know, I have no experience doing, but it's mm-hmm. providing, you know, that, that superior customer service where, you know, we can process their payment, get them their unit, um, they can sign the lease over the phone. And now the technology's there, but it's not, it's not really, you know, dialed in where you, know, you got to fragment a bunch of different technologies and you got to really provide exceptional customer service because people still in this service-based economy want that personal touch. They want it yeah. now and they want to feel yeah. good, right? And nobody's purely automated, especially our customers' demographics. You know, a lot are 40 and 50 plus years old mm-hmm. and they want it. They want to validate what they're doing with the person. So, you know, to answer your question, it's just building a call center is the and a maintenance staff remotely. That is my linchpin right now that I'm trying to scale my business through. Got it. You know, I, what I think is so genius about what you're doing is you're taking something that's, you know, worked for so long, but you're now just optimizing it with the technology we have. And, and you're looking at a problem with a different sets of lens. You know, I think that's a really inspiring way to look at this is how can we keep decreasing our, our expenses at the end of the, the day? Right, but keep maximizing our profits, and and you're doing that with technology. You're doing that with the resources you have, which I think is so genius. And I I, I really hope everyone hears what he's saying is that you could always do everything and just look at it with a new new lens. But what I would I do want to ask in and kind of dive into, like obviously uh, you can't build this on your own, right? Like you you have to have uh, team management partners, partners, whatnot. How do you look and go about surrounding yourself with the right people? What's your philosophy for getting the right people within your organization to help you scale? Yeah, that's such a good question. Where as leaders and business owners and entrepreneurs, and if you're the number one, I mean, you know, in VC, wherever it is, if it's tech, if it's real estate, if it's a service-based business, I mean. It, that is the number one challenge, right, guys? You got to scale with people, and you got to hire yep. A players. I mean, that there is there's no way other way around it. And in the beginning, I had no resources to do that, and and you know, I didn't really earn the right to do that because I, I had to figure out what my strategy was, my key strengths, and then you know, get some success, and then I had better and better people follow me, my lead, and you know, I lead from the front. So mm-hmm. for me, you know, I read a great book called Who, and it's, it's how to hire some of the great talent out there. And I, I love this business coach called Keith Cunningham. Um, oh, he's great. What I, what I learned from that is, you know, building, finding these eight players is, is so essential where I said, okay, I'm going to put the, the, the growth on hold and I need to focus on certain aspects or divisions of the company so that I can actually scale in the future. I had to stop. I had to stop selling. Mm. I had to stop raising yeah. money. And I had to right, dig into the actual t- internal team, build out the framework of our systems, and then actually find the, the people that – the A player that can deliver in that role. And by, by no means have I figured it all out. But I think the b- main thing is – you know, number one, that their demeanor is is going to fit that role. You know, our operational partner that I brought on, where her mother was a, a person that I bought one of her facilities from in New Hampshire, and she she was a quality control engineer. So she really did it translated well in some areas of the storage operations. Uh, but we're hitting a point where we're scaling where it's not, and she knows it. So it's like you 
the people that helped you get to where you are sometimes won't help you get to the next level where you go unless yeah. you, you don't adapt and you don't see it ahead of time and anticipate as an owner. So for me, number one is defining the role, finding someone that has the skill sets that can fill that role and then keep adapting. And then most importantly, though, is aligning the incentives. So we mm. all took, you know, the, the people that I brought in on the accounting side, you know, in the construction, you know, Cody, you, you mentioned that we, we brought in construction and development. And that was a, a longtime friend that I grew up with since I was in middle school. You know, we parted ways after high school. We played football together and everything. And uh, he went off in the construction trades. And then he came back when I was in a hard time and he was tired of flipping houses and he just started helping me for free. And I had things falling apart in 2018, 2019 when I was trying to get my mobile home parks in place. And, uh, and that was a lot of value to me. And he didn't ask for anything in return. And I said, you know what? You know, after six months, I'm like, man, I, I'd love for you to work for me. I want to grow this company. I see development as the future potential for value creation. And uh, I made him a, a 20% partner. And so I brought on key players as partners and also aligned, you know, in with other team leaders that they get some equity or GP interest after we meet certain metrics. Uh, and and one thing, you know, for business owners here, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of them know this, you know, phantom equity is a strong motivator where, you mm -hmm. know, you don't just earn. I mean, some of my key partners, they earn the equity, but some don't earn it until you actually vest and you stay at yeah. the company until yeah. right the, so the funds or the, the investments yeah. materialize. So that keeps accruing each year. And I know some people want to bail. I've seen it. You know, times get hard. But when they have that earned equity over time, you know, that has been a key structure for me, too. And, um, and I'm still there, man. I, I, got, I still feel like right now, just in this time in the economy, I'm just starting to see some really good talent show up. So yeah. I'm very excited right now. We hired an asset manager and another uh, VP of ops on the storage side where these, I couldn't find these people six months ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's starting to it's starting to kind of loosen up a little bit, um, and I think that uh, certainly over the past year, seeing like the tight labor market has made me only further appreciate how crucial town. I mean, you know, you don't have the right people at a uh, at, at a property. Uh, the site staff can make. I mean, it can be the difference between a property running at ninety five percent occupancy and a property running at eighty percent occupancy. Yeah. I mean, just one person. Um, it's so, it's so crucial. I love what you said about giving employees equity. Um, we recently started doing that, uh, even like deal specific with asset managers. And we've seen like, that is very motivating because now they have like, like now that you have actual equity in an asset that you run and no one runs, no one runs an asset like somebody that owns it. Right. Like That's no one 100%. cares about it that much. So yeah. I love that. Um, and seeing that across your company, uh, how do you structure that? Do you structure it by into deals, into the parent fund? Uh, you know, how do you kind of, uh, uh, how do you structure that with your folks? Yeah, it's tricky. And I've gone through different iterations of this over time, but for mm. a, a high level for everybody, the best way I've learned to do it so far, and we're rolling this out this Christmas for everybody is, um, if, even if you have a fund or if you have a series of partnership, you know, SPVs, just LLCs, yeah. what I would do is open a separate company. And that separate company is for us, it's like, you know, a Patriot Employee Management Fund. And, and, then, and then you allocate in each asset, you know, is it, if it's 2% or 1% or 4% mm -hmm. or whatever you want it to be. And, and th that's a partner in each of the assets or the funds. And then that flows into that bucket. Because you don't want to get into a bunch of different members and then changing operating agreements. Right, right. You, you, yeah, you want one entity. And this is just real estate specific. I don't know what other people yeah. do in other companies. 
But th that will help you funnel off, you know, profits or distributions into one bucket. And then from there, you know, I don't have it figured out. And, you know, I'll have to keep listening to your show if you guys figure this out. <laughs> and then how do you get people to vest in there? Uh, you know, it's tr tricky because, you know, I've tried time staying at the company. I've tried, you know, dividing up the salaries and what percentage mm -hmm. they are on the payroll uh, to allocate how much is going to them. And, or it's, you know, it's just an annual performance rating. And then we, we divide out who gets what on terms of shares in that bucket. So I'm not sure yet on that, but it's enough where over a five-year period, you know, I want it to be significant where it's at least a, a, a over a year of their salary or a couple of years of their salary so that they feel like they earned, you know, they picked up a couple of years on, on their, yeah. what they actually Serious performed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, out of curiosity, how do you do, so you mentioned, uh, you mentioned your people, right? And sometimes that when you start growing, right, the people, and th that's always something I, I, I've like struggled with, right? Like, how do you find, you know, I think certainly as entrepreneurs, I, I, you know, I, I know Pasha, I, I don't know you very well, Jeremiah, but, but, uh, but I'm sure you're the same way, right? Like we're always really growth oriented and reading books and pushing ourselves and continue to grow. And what I've found is that as the organizations grow around us, sometimes the people kind of get left behind. Um, so I guess, what are you doing around that? Like, are you doing anything to pour into your folks, uh, uh to help them like instigate the growth? I mean, you can't, you can't force it too, right? So how do you, how, you know, what do you do to inspire it, incentivize them to grow, uh, with the organization or, or, or do you do anything, you know, around that? Or do you just kind of, you know, you, you hit a certain point, you realize, okay, you know, the organization has outgrown this person or, or this person is, you know, they, they, they helped us get to X, but you know, they're not going to help us get to Y. Um, how do you kind of think about that? Because I, I I've seen that mult in, in, in multiple organizations I've been a part of. And, uh, and I think it's a really tricky question or it really is. tricky problem. Such a good question, such a, and it is such a key problem. And I think in the journey of entrepreneurship and, and developing a company as the leader, like you know, you just called out something that internally I'm dealing with. Like I didn't really express it, but you you shared it and you said, "Huh, you know, you know what? I've thought these thoughts in my head, and I'm like, okay, how do I elevate everyone? You know, and and um, for me, I, I'm not married or I have kids, so it's sometimes I get a bit obsessed about things, and I have a lot of energy, so <laughs> I I got to be careful at what standard I want to hold other people. You know, my journey's mine, and I don't want to impose my journey on other people. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I just want to empower them to be the best they can be, and and you know, have them rise to the highest potential of what their skills are. So uh, w the way I tangibly do that is. You know, I'm gonna. We have an annual event. We're doing it in Manhattan Beach in, in December, the first weekend. You know, we're gonna do some team building exercises, go over some different goal setting, and then each department is gonna present on what their biggest strengths and biggest challenges are. Because I want every department to understand how they. There's about six key departments, six or seven. They have to. They have to interrelate with each other. But I don't think then the grind that they understand the key dependencies of how each person needs to pull their own weight. So number one, hmm. I just want to educate people that, you know, we're all a machine. This this thing is a machine that delivers value to investors, it delivers and, and helps people financially get free, but also to tenants and customers who depend on us. And this is this is our team. So, you know, I, I obviously I recommend books and I'm um, and I we do a monthly meeting, but I think it's, you know, I'd like to lead from the front. And I, I think if I'm here and they see me pushing and, you know, I'm doing stuff like this and, and it's out there and they're listening and I'm, I'm, I got mm -hmm. my brand on social media. And that's something that, you know, I think, 
you know, be, me meeting Pasha and kind of understanding more about that. You know, you need to have a brand. You got to get out there. You got to share, you know, who you are and what you do. Because now this day and age, people don't want to just see, you know, Patriot Holdings. Like that doesn't mean anything to anybody, right. you know, then who, who is <laughs> yeah. Patriot Holdings? I mean, we actually check our website and you can see where people click on the initial site mm-hmm. within 30 seconds and everybody goes to about us, like 85% of the traffic goes right there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I want to make a conscious effort where, you know, I'm I'm not only speaking to investors or to customers or tenants, I'm speaking to my staff. Like I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm being what I want to be. And, and if I can share that with them, you know, they're going to either, you know, come along with the ride or not. And, and yeah, there's conflict. There's, there's going to be conflict. And it's for, for me, I think the best skill of a, a, an entrepreneur and a leader is, is communication. And that has been the biggest challenge for me is like every single thing I've learned through Tony Robbins and Landmark and all the different personal development stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I want to strip away the whole, you know, corporate veil mask, you know, where it's just, you know, zeros and ones. And it's like, OK, what's going on in your life? This is what I really need out of you. You're letting me down or you're doing a great job. You know, let's be real and let's, you know, I, I'm depending on you and, and I know you're depending on me. So, you know, I just want to speak to them like a real person. And I always relate it back to sports. Like I, I just, we both have to deliver on our jobs here and I'm not better than you. You're not, we're, we're equal on this thing. So yeah, I think it's just communication, Cody. It's like that connection. Don't ever lose the connection with the team. Yeah. 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 Uh, That's great. I think, you know, it's, it's such an interesting point and I think I have a little bit of a different philosophy on, on the team. Like I, for what I hire, uh, anyone into my organization, I look for those rock stars, the guys who are self-starters. And I not I know that everyone isn't that way, but I absolutely agree with like I incentivize them madly on the back end. If they do a great job, they get incentivized big time. And I love that all three of us have that same mentality because I find that the my rock stars are people who are rock stars elsewhere and not getting um uh, appreciated enough, whether that's just in everyday life and just monetarily as well. So I always make that. But I also on the left behind like question, if someone's not performing, I think I'm pretty quick to just kind of rip off the bandaid. And like, I, I believe rock stars should always be rock stars. And as we grow, they will grow with us. And I always get to know their goals. Like I'm such a champion for anybody who's in my life in any way, shape or form. And I want to push them to their goals if I can help them. And that breeds the loyalty as well, too. But I will be the first one of like, if someone's not working out for a few months, like, you're going to get fired, right? Like, that's just the way it is. Kind of like a football team, right? I think that goes to like a broader, uh, a broader point. I think some of the best, like, uh, some of the people that are most successful that I've seen, uh, you know, they're always looking for a win-win. It's not like, how do I just crush yeah. it and like make a bunch of money for myself? Like, if I can you know, if, if, if I win, everyone wins kind of thing. I think that attitude in general goes a really, really long way. And I, I think, uh, I think that's much more like playing a long game, um, that'll serve you over the long run. That's, that's what it kind of reminded me of when you were saying that Pasha. Yeah. Uh, so Jeremy, I, I got a question for you because the game, the game has changed now, right? You know, when I first started being in real estate, I was the lone wolf. I never really thought I'd be on social media. I never wanted to be on social media. And now, you know, Cody and I have a podcast, right? And so as part of the entrepreneur to even stack it, it's also about adapting to the times. How are you finding this new challenge of being on social media and having a social presence? And, and how's that working for you? How, how are you enjoying it? How are you attacking this? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I drank the Gary V Kool-Aid 
where <laughs> if you don't do it, if, 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 if you're not there, you know, if you're not front and center and you don't yeah. stake a claim at this day and age and with the evolution of the economy and, and what his key statement that I always, you know, was cemented into my psyche is, you know, the attention is the asset. So, you know, mm. if, if Pasha, you're developing this manufactured housing fund or series of investments, you know, right now, you know, it's 20, 2022, you got a good couple of years where, you know, if you're not, if you're not showing up on some of these key search engines or videos or, or data, data points in this, this realm, you're irrelevant. So, yeah. you know, now the, I think, you know, f- f- hyper-focused attention on niches is just the evolution of, of where, you know, uh, media is 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 it's already there so it's yeah. not like i had a choice i mean i like it i'm i'm naturally i think i like to be a promoter and i, I have mm-hmm. i love the communication part of it and i i love to shake it up and be direct and swear and do all that good stuff especially in stuffy environments you know especially in commercial <laughs> real estate it's you. so damn boring you know sometimes <laughs> so with you on that one <laughs> yeah so i want to shake it up a little bit you know and, and i got a little bit of success so it's hard for, that way it's i'm not just some wacko in my early 20s doing it so I, I think it's uh, it's a fun place to be. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's a fun place to be. But Cody, I mean, I'm I'm now you know going up to the the Silicon Valley world and VC world and and get my ass handed to me a little bit on trying to raise funds up there. That was a year ago, but now the narrative's changed a little bit where I'm getting calls back and it's like all of a sudden my two to two and a half time multiple on a conservative uh, evaluation, you know, that right. they would get on return capital is like <laughs> right. not so bad anymore. So, you know, and the call, I'm like, I, that, that's so fulfilling for me because I went up there and I like, you know, I did okay on the presentation, but I was like, wow, these guys have a different way of looking at things. But Pasha, yeah. to, to your point, you know, I, um, I just think it's, it, I think the best advantage of it, and I, I was, I'm, I get a little discouraged as I'm not, you know, you don't get the traction that you want where mm-hmm. I think I'm five or six months into it and pumping on LinkedIn, doing yeah. the TikTok, doing some of the personal stuff on the, the Instagram and stuff, and then solidifying it through the, the LinkedIn and YouTube. Uh, it's, you know what, I'm in this just like I was in the beginning of cold calling days. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care what I'm doing. I'm just going to grind. So I'm going to yeah. do the message. I'm going to say I'm going to express myself and keep refining my the way that I present myself in terms of the business values, ethics, uh, the goals, strategies, and then you know specific industry you know feedback or insight. And then I, I'm just putting the work in, and I don't care. And you know what? It makes me a better communicator. I have to actually know what the hell I'm talking about and yeah. present it to people. So and but you know what? I'm seeing traction. So to your to your question, um, we. I don't have the views that maybe I would want, but the people that do watch this and they do follow and I'm getting really good feedback. They love what I'm saying or they, they, they encourage me. Uh, occasionally, there's some, some negative, but most of it's encouragement. And then secondly, people are actually doing business with us through that. And yeah. I never imagined that, that, that they wouldn't even know me and they're doing business. Organically, organically yeah. finding you. Come, that's crazy. Wow. Reading I, the I, book. I'm like not on that vibe at all. Like Pasha, Pasha's my, uh, both of our inspirations. Uh, there, I'm, I'm, I'm blown <laughs> away. Uh, that's crazy. You know what I will say? Like, so I had a mentor once tell me, he actually asked me, Hey, name, name your hairstylist. I'm like, okay, well, first person came to mind, name my hairstylist. Well, name your second hairstylist. And I'm like, uh, does anyone know a second hairstylist? No. And it's, it's really out of sight, out of mind. And I really feel like being in doing social media, it's more being there for the right time when the, it does come up. Right. And so by any means, I'm not great at social media. I'm now just kind of 
throwing noodles at a wall to see what sticks and see what worked. I'm trying different things. But, you know, like you were saying, Jeremiah, like, I'm starting to get good feedback. People are starting to ask questions. And I, I know you're, you're, I've seen some of your LinkedIn. It's so inspirational. It's amazing. And, and if we can even help one person and not get an investor, it's still that end of the day, I think that's a, a beautiful thing as well. You know, it's like, it's like the win-wins we were talking about earlier as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that, man. And I love what yep. you guys are doing with, you know, something, a focused show about entrepreneurship, about scaling and growing a business. Like, you know, when I graduated high school and I went out to college, I kind of felt lost. You know, I, I wasn't good enough to be a really elite athlete. And then, you know, I went out and drank and did the partying thing. And like there was no purpose to that thing, you know. So at the end of the day, I found this niche in real estate and then growing a business. And I like feel like it's such a lonely sport sometimes, but it's when we all play. Every single thing created in our life was built from a business, even if it's a nonprofit. We yeah. all mm-hmm. play by the same rules and people forget that. So, you know, like what we're doing right now, it's if I can help someone learn a little more about business and then inspire them to really you know, like, you know, maximize their edge, you know, in some way, shape or form to add value to the world, to master a craft, to be great at a skill. Like that, that to me as a young man was what I wanted. And I, and I would, I would watch that person. So I want to be the guy that I wanted to watch. Yeah. You know, uh, do you guys know who Naval Ravikant is? You guys ever read the Almanac of Naval Ravikant? I saw one of his YouTube uh, okay. videos. Yeah. So there's an amazing book. Uh, it's actually, it, somebody else wrote it. They basically took all the public things that he said and turned it into a book on it's like Naval's uh, philosophy on happiness and wealth. Um, and he has this awesome thread. He's this awesome thread, um, uh, in, in there that like specifically talks about building wealth. And he says, um, uh, he says, putting your name on it and putting your name out there, uh, uh you know, and putting your name, you know, for front, you know, first and frontmost instead of like a brand, uh, he calls it a form of accountability. And he says, embrace mm-hmm. accountability and take business risks under your own name. Society will reward you with responsibility, equity, and leverage. The most accountable people have singular, public, and risky brands. Oprah, Trump, Kanye, Elon, uh, and I just, I, I thought, I thought uh, Steve Jobs, right? Like, I, I, I thought that was, uh, I thought it was really interesting. And um, uh, I never thought of it as a form of accountability, right? Putting your own name on it instead of hiding behind a brand. I, I, I don't know. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I think it's identification, right? People want to identify with the the products or the brands that they're working with, and and they feel more connected, mm-hmm. you know, this day and age to a person, especially with the, all the the medians of being able to connect through social media and all the different media channels, uh, rather than I don't know, maybe a, a logo or a you know yeah. like a a, <laughs> a, a yeah. novelty, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a yeah, a product. No one has affinity towards yeah you know, some, some random logo, Lucky right? Charms guy, <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, you bring up such a good point at the end of the day, no matter how good your product is, people, if they're going to invest money or put money with you is because they, they like you. And that's at the end of the day, that's number one, no matter what. So, you know, I think the, the big lesson here, and for me, when I've been raising funds is be authentic, be yourself, tell them how it is, and they're going to make the decision. And if they ever, the people are smart, they're going to figure out if you're trying to sell them or lie to them in any way. So just be yourself and be authentic. And I think that's what a lot of this social media posts also do. You just be yourself, show who you are, and they're going to, you know, self-qualify you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's so spot on, Pasha. My comment on that is is one quick thing. It's, it's you know, 
really the, the underlying theme of money is trust. That is all yeah, it is. And I mean, you know, and, and you know, I, my, my encounters with you, you know, I trust you. I feel comfortable around you. And, you know, reading Sapiens, the amazing book, right? And then uh, about the evolution of man. And the, the, when they hit into, when we turned into a capitalistic society, you know, that was the core shift where the monarch no longer dictated the rules of the economic conditions of our mm-hmm. environment. It was the trust of a group of investors or private individuals that funded things and actually delivered and honored the agreement that originally was stated and rather than using force to impose that on a weaker individual. And that's why Amsterdam and and the whole, why New York was created. So so to me, it's just was such a cool underlying um, like uh, signpost that like, it's just everything underneath it all is about trust in terms of, of the, the fundamental aspects of money. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's uh that's super cool. I haven't read that book. Um yeah. oh, I just wrote it down. so good. Yeah. Um yeah. so Jeremy, let me ask you a question. So, you know, a lot of our listeners are gonna already be in this stage in life that they they have a business, they've bootstrapped it, they have maybe one or two employees, right? And they look at you and they say, Wow, this guy has an amazing organization, he's growing, he's implementing technology. Is there any advice that you could give or some value you could give to someone who is thinking about scaling and wondering how to scale, how wondering how to grow, whether it's mindset, whether it's you know a technical something, but to just give it um, some value to some of our audience that that are looking for that tool and that growth that's going to happen in the future for them. Yeah, it's it's not going to be a popular or sexy answer, uh, and the the answer is this is <laughs> it's reporting. It, it's mm-hmm. it's really you know what I what I've noticed and you guys might see in the world is in the business world, especially with social media. So flashy, especially in good a decade, you know, ba- uh, bull market. Everybody looks good. Everybody's making money. Everybody was able to sell a property and and make a profit. And on the surface, you know, depending on your marketing budget, how much you allocate, you look so damn good and flashy. Like yeah, this business is killing it. Yeah. Behind the scenes, we all know there's there's skeletons in the closet at every level. I mean, even the biggest companies <laughs> in the world, they they all have their issues they're dealing with. So for me, what I, I think is, you know, and that's fine. That's that's part of the struggle. That's the entrepreneurial struggle. And you, you right. fix it and you, you deliver value regardless. But what I my point is on this is that, you know, having the internal metrics and the reporting, even if it's basic, you know, just hitting that that trailing 12 P&L and knowing how each asset's performing and having a dedicated team around it, a finance team and, and they're and communicating with the operations that is going to give you the insight into the your business and you can anticipate things before they happen and i just feel like you know it's so when money's good and everything's growing and you just kind of get into this rhythm and and you have but you don't really know where you're at and that, and i i i hate it i mean i am a i'm a very active guy so to pin me down for a full day and yeah. go over you know budgets yeah and and going over costs and going over projections I need to, it's a discipline that I've had to create and I had to build a team around me that actually was able to deliver on that reporting so that I had the insight into my business. Mm. Once you have that foundation, then you can scale because that, that, that there gives transparency as an investor. Even I'm a passive investor in, in deals. I love that transparency. Even if it's bad news, you know, give it, give yeah. me insight. If you're tracking good or bad news, I know you're tracking it and then you're, you're making educated decisions around it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. I actually, uh, 
uh, the other day I asked my CPA, I was like, hey, give me, give me my traveling expenses just for my flights that I've taken this year, just so I could know, because this is the first year that I've been traveling full 100% first class. And I just kind of would start thinking like, man, I probably spent way too much money on this, sh- on this shit. And so he sent it to me. I was like, yep, you know, I was right. I spent too much money. On- <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it all starts with the reporting. It all understands. Okay, so that's great. Like it all comes from knowing where you're at. Oh, you fundamental. Fa- yeah, exactly. And what to track. That's amazing. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then... I have one last question. I don't know if Cody, if you have any more or not. And this is just more just like out of my curiosity than anything. What is the hardest lesson you've had to learn in business so far? That's what I'm here for. That's yeah. why I pay the big bucks. <laughs> oh, it depends on what stage. But if you're if we're talking any about stage. yeah, what stage of business? The hardest lesson. You know, the, my lesson, and Pasha, your comment at the beginning of this call kind of speaks to it. It was, I had a really, I had too short term of a view of what I was going to do in my life, mm. where I, I looked, I thought I wanted to be a real estate investor and get financially free and go do something else. And, you know, I, I hit that for a minute. And then, you know, you sit around and you you write poetry for a day or you try to learn an instrument or you go, you know, spend all your time with your lover and partner and have all the fun you want. And at the end of the day, you're a man sitting there and you're like, I got to express myself and do something true to my nature. And then I'm like, you know what? The the uh, the real payoff is the journey. It's actually doing it. I, so it's like I, hmm. I want to go back in and, and play the game, and I'm just getting started. I just got enough skills to actually, you know, go in there and play at the higher highest level or higher level. So I had to learn that lesson where I made I made decisions based on a myopic view of where I was going, and you know that that was a challenge. I, I, I if I would have thought, okay, this is a 20, 30, 50 year game. I would have thought about the decisions I made differently in my first five years of business because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been so, I I just, I I just, I wanted to get successful too fast and it was a stupid way of looking at it. Got it. Yeah. We all look at like, we all have our goals, right? Like, and I think all of us are super, are probably pretty goal driven, but at the end of the day, right, when you get to the, when you get to the goal, there's just going to be another goal. And so if you don't learn to enjoy the journey, right, like and embrace the journey and the journey is really why we do everything, right? The obstacles, the way, I don't know if you guys have read that book. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ryan Holiday, right. Um, I, I think I mentioned it to, to you before, Pasha, but, uh, yep. but yeah, I think that's, that's incredible. Um, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a really good reminder. It's timely for me too. And I think yeah. underline that lesson too, to that, because, you know, if you like that, that Spartan mentality or the the um, uh, Stoics, you know, it was really, it's, it's just, and I said this in my book, I mean, it's just, you never can get too up. You never can get too down. You know, you just really just stick with it and you just go and you move, take a step forward every day. And as I've seen other people deal with tremendous challenges in their life with health and relationships and loss and finances, and, you know, it's like, you know, framing it like, okay, you know what, this is a, it's a beautiful opportunity to do things. And even when I'm all caught up in the drama at the end of the day, I'm just going to go, I'm going to take a step forward. I'm just going to do this thing I did the day before and the day before. And to me, that's been the biggest shift in who I've ever became in business because it was not, it didn't suck up my energy. It wasn't so like, so draining on a, as a roller coaster ride, a lot of money. Great. But you know, we win and that's good. And, but I lost a lot of money and yeah, I lost, but you just keep going. Yeah. yeah. 
Oh, I love that, man. That's all you can do. Man, you know, I, I just have to tell you, I, I'm sitting here completely inspired by you. And you're, you know, like you're the epitome of you know, there's certain people in your life that you know that no matter what, they're just going to keep attacking life and they're going to keep getting massive results. You're the kind of guy that wouldn't surprise me, you know, five years from now where you're the biggest like self-storage player out there, right? Like you're just one of those jockeys that's going to just crush it at everything they do. I, I am completely inspired for everything you say. Thank you for absolutely coming on to this uh, podcast with Cody and I and dropping the knowledge and, and value. And I, I truly appreciate you coming on and, and giving your time because I know that's really important. Um, I'm happy to help, man. Thank you. Yeah. I, I'm just curious where, uh, where can people kind of go yeah. learn, you know, go follow you on Instagram or Facebook or uh, TikTok or wherever you're hanging out, um, add to that follower count, uh, and, uh, and, and learn more about you and uh, about Patriot. Yeah. And I don't even know how to get to all that stuff, but I, I think it's under jerlinks.com, J E R links.com. I think it has everything on there. Uh, but patriotholdings.com is, is our company. Uh, just like the New England Patriots, patriotholdings.com. And mm-hmm. uh, they can always look at the book too, you know, Finding Your Edge, How to Win at the Game of Commercial Real Estate on Amazon. Uh, but just just look me up and I'm happy to talk to anyone. And then I'm here in Las Vegas. So if you want to come on 4007 Dean Martin Drive, Monday to Friday, just swing on in. We're right here grinding it away. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I, I used to live on that street. I used to live on, on Dean Martin Street. I, yeah, that's so right. I, yeah, 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 yeah. For five years, man. Yeah. Um, Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. I really appreciate it. And I think we're good. All right, guys. Thank you for joining us today. We think it's an absolute no-brainer that hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app will help you on your journey to your next 10 million.